Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Amen. Well, let's get into the Word of God today. Today I'm going to preach a message called A Deserted Place. A Deserted Place. If you're a note taker, you can write that down. I want to pick up the story of John the Baptist. John the Baptist had been ministering for around about six months. And John the Baptist points out the sin of Herod. Essentially what had happened is King Herod had chosen to marry his sister-in-law. Her name was uh, Herodias. And so John the Baptist publicly calls out the sin and says of King Herod that uh, what he has done is wrong. Now, Herod has a big birthday party. And at this big birthday party, Herodias this lady that he had under Jewish law illegally married, she came up with a plan. And a plan was to get her daughter to dance in front of Herod. And Bible commentators say that in a scenario like that, it usually would have been a room full of men who had been drinking all day. And here comes a young girl who the mum got her to dance in a way that we would assume was a seductive dance of some sort. So the men had been on the alcohol all day. This girl dances in a seductive way and Herod is magnetised by what he sees. Now, this was all part of a master plan from the mum because she knew that in that state, Herod would offer her a gift of some sort for her dance. So Herod was so pleased with the dance, he called the girl over and he said to her, ask what you want and I will give it to you. So the girl says, give me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. So you know the story, which is of course, Matthew chapter 14, verse 10. Herod moves into an arena of sin that really plunged himself into the depths of darkness. And Matthew chapter 14 verse says, so he sent and had John the Baptist or John beheaded in prison and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl. Now just think about that for a moment. A head brought on a platter, brought to a girl and she the master plan, brought it to her mother, verse 12. Then his disciples, that is John the Baptist's disciples, then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Now for Jesus, this was a tragic event because this man, John the Baptist, was a close friend, we would assume, and of course was his cousin. John the Baptist was a spiritual companion to Jesus Christ. He was a forerunner, remembering that John the Baptist was the one who actually baptised Jesus in water. 
And so when Jesus hears, hears about this, think about it. An innocent man preaching the gospel, a seductive dance, all of a sudden his head's chopped off and brought on a platter. He was not a sinful man who was up to all kinds of mischief and so it happened. He was an innocent man who was beheaded for preaching. And this head was brought on a platter. And so the story goes. Now, when Jesus hears about this, we see something in the life of Christ where we, we know that He is fully God, but He is also fully man. He grieved. He had emotions. He was thirsty. He was hungry. And we see the emotion of Jesus in this story because this close companion, this cousin of his, six months apart, was beheaded. And in Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, it says, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to, watch this, a deserted place by himself. So essentially, what's happening is Jesus was so affected by what had happened to his cousin that he withdrew for a period of personal contemplation and mourning. And essentially, Jesus needed time and solace and to seek the guidance of his father of what he was to do next because he knew that because of a result of this, that this would one day be him, but on a cross. So this deserted place, now when you think about it, Jesus is mourning and Jesus is in sorrow. He goes to a deserted place and a deserted place essentially by definition, it's, it's barren, empty, it's a desolate location, often without water. Deserted place. It's interesting to know that when Jesus came under this immense emotional pressure and was grieving and mourning, he went to a deserted place. But we all at times can have this moment, this experience in our lives where we go through something, there's a tragedy of some sort, an unexpected situation, and we find ourselves withdrawing. We find ourselves going to a place where I just need a little bit of me time, alone time. Me, myself and I. Who likes hanging out with themselves every now and again? We find Jesus doing this. Deserted places often come to us, as I said earlier, loss, grief, sorrow, struggle, a failure, sometimes fatigue a breakup of some sort in a relationship, and for some, a, a breakdown that takes you to a deserted place. Uh, when my mother passed away three years ago, unexpectedly, Friday night, I was in Cronulla, get a phone call from my brother, mother's collapsed, and I had to rush to Perth. Unfortunately, there was no flights on the Friday night, so I had to wait for the first flight the next Saturday morning. I kind of missed the last flight. And when I got to Perth and went into the hospital, two days later, I'd spoken to my mum. She was perfectly healthy. I walk into this uh, emergency department of the hospital, 
And there's my mum with a shaved head, uh, with tubes coming out of her head. Uh, She had suffered a brain hemorrhage. And I remember thinking to myself, how how am I gonna handle this? Because most of my call and the call of God that's been on my life has predominantly been away from my family. Alison and I have lived uh, interstate away from our family for, for over 20 years. And so I'm very thankful, very thankful for my parents, very thankful for my mum. And to go from being super healthy and then all of a sudden, boom, uh, church, it took me to a deserted place. Uh, I remember at times uh, just trying to figure out, because, uh, you know, I don't go on pause in my preaching. You know? I was li- it was literally Vision Sunday the next Sunday. Guess who's standing up here preaching Vision Sunday? Me. But in my soul, I felt, you know, I was, I was, there was loss. There was grief. And I had to personally manage myself by the emotional output of ministry versus this deserted place, what I was feeling on the inside. And it's interesting when you go through these times of a deserted place, uh, meaning and sometimes purpose can be in short supply. <laughs> you're forced to take a second look. You're forced to ask questions, big questions. And you're forced to consider or reconsider what really matters. Yeah. A deserted place. We, we know what it's like. We've all been there. Now, Jesus is in this deserted place. His close cousin has been beheaded. His close cousin, the forerunner to Jesus Christ, an innocent man, has been killed. He's taking time out to be with his father, to to be alone, a bit of alone time. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, in his alone time, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, it says, But when the multitudes heard it, that is, Jesus is out there. (laughs) They followed him on foot from the cities. (laughs) Now watch, it doesn't say they followed him on foot from a city. It says they followed him on foot from the cities, plural. (laughs) This is a lot of people. And he's alone time. He's kind of away time is almost been attacked. (laughs) It's been infiltrated by this group of people who are demanding something from Jesus. I remember when my kids were small, Tori and Wade, and I'm very passionate about my devotions. And when I'd get up early in the morning to pray and do my devotions, and for whatever reason, that child gets up at five o'clock How many of you know the fruit of the Spirit is under attack right there? Because that's my alone time. That's my time. Do not influence it in Jesus' name. We all need those times. We need those times when we're alone. We need those times when we need to contemplate and we need to consider. Come on, stay with me now. This is going to land today. I'm just taking you on a journey. 
But here we see in Jesus' alone time, the multitudes coming, demanding something from Him. Deserted places are good and they help us, they strengthen us, they give us the opportunity to fellowship with our Father in heaven. But it seems as though that even in the deserted place, stuff's going on, wants your time, wants your energy, responsibilities with your children, responsibilities with sport, grandchildren, driving here, there and everywhere, nine times a day, and all the parents said, amen. (laughs) And it comes under attack. And it feels as though that we need to be in a flourishing place, stay with me now, for God to do a miracle, but it's actually here in the deserted place that one of the great miracles of the New Testament actually occurs. You may be in a deserted place. You may feel lonely. You may feel disconnected from everybody and everything, but you need to know today, The God that we serve is not just into your flourishing place, He's into your deserted place. And in the deserted place, we know of a miracle that we refer to as the feeding of the 5,000. Where a little boy with five loaves and two fish, it's brought to Jesus, excuse me, And these these loaves and these two fish are supernaturally multiplied to feed a hungry generation. Church, you may feel like you're in a deserted place. Watch this. God wants to move in your deserted place. God wants to move in the place of loneliness. Now watch this. This miracle is the only miracle in the entire New Testament that's in fact recorded in all four Gospels. And it's the only miracle in the ministry of Jesus where it was not just performed for an individual, possibly two or three. Every single person that was there benefited from this miracle. Where did it happen? It happened in the deserted place. You may be thinking, what on earth does this have to do with missions? Just relax now. (laughs) Calm your soul. It's all good in the hood. Everyone benefited from this miracle that took place in an arena that was considered deserted. Now, we all want miracles. We all want breakthrough. And often when you need a miracle, it's because there's something that's obviously going on or else it wouldn't be a miracle. Takes us to this place where we feel deserted. We need something critical at this point. I want to show you what Jesus does to, if I can use the phrase, and maybe there's a better one, but it's the one that's coming to the brain right now. An atmosphere of where a supernatural miracle happens in a deserted place. Watch what Jesus does. Now, the Bible actually, in one of the Gospels says that, for whatever reason, the account of the men, so it says 5,000 men. Uh, but in one of the Gospels, in the uh, record of this miracle, it says not including women and children. So essentially you could say that 
there was approximately anywhere from 15 to 25,000 people that invaded Jesus's alone time. <laughs> oh, I could just do with some alone time right now, amen. Anyway, we're preaching, we gotta keep going. No, just kidding. <laughs> and Jesus does something, you've got to see this today. Watch Luke chapter nine, verse 14. For there were about 5,000 Aussie blokes. And he said to the disciples, remember, one of the Gospels says, not including women and children, make them sit down and watch this, groups of 50. Everyone say 50. 50. Now, the disciples go through 12 disciples, uh, I suppose, organising it a structure of some sort so that there were groups of 50 people. That's, that's just a long process here to bring about groups of 50, especially when you got some hungry people in a deserted place. Because when people are hungry, they're hangry all at the same time. <laughs> and eventually there's groups of 50. Now watch this. In each group of 50 or some, some of the hangry people are like, He's praying too long over the five loaves and the two fish. Just hurry up, we want our food. Because <laughs> remember, the disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, it's late already. You know, the sun's going down. Send these people away. It's like dinner time. Yeah. You get some angry people who can't get in at the buffet at dinner time. They're there for a reason. <laughs> and in these groups of 50, watch what's happening. Atmospheres are being contained and quarantined so that somebody's negativity does not stifle a miracle because Jesus said in one of the Gospels, he could not, one of the stories, he could not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Stay with me now. So I crossed the border when I, when I did the drive from Western Australia to, uh, sorry, from uh, New South Wales to Western Australia. Pete and Jill were just in WA a couple of weeks ago. Pete and Jill, nice to see you in Western Australia. They're here today. God bless. Welcome back. Now, Pete and Jill will tell you that when you get to the South Australia, Western Australia border, there is like quarantine regulations like there's no tomorrow. Any bit of fruit, I mean, I'm seeing people being pulled to the side. It's on like Donkey Kong. And they are checking your boot. They're asking people to open up every bit of luggage and bags. I was feeling guilty even though I didn't have any fruit in the car, you know. <laughs> and they're full on about it. Why? What are they doing? They're trying to quarantine something from coming from one arena to another. In miracles, what happens is that miracles have to cause our spirits or ask us to engage in something which I would really call a quarantine discipline, and that is this. Watch this. If we're believing God for miracles, you have to master quarantining. Because there's something somewhere that doesn't want you to have a miracle. There's a voice somewhere that doesn't want you to have a miracle. There's a report somewhere that doesn't want you to have a miracle. And you have to master the groups of 50 so that one atmosphere does not affect another, so that we can have a move of God. The media is trying to infiltrate the church 
and trying to rewire people's thinking about the goodness of God and we need to quarantine it so that miracles are not stifled. Now watch this. Last year in January, I had to go to the hospital. I had something going on. Uh, Dr. Vikram helped and I had to see a specialist. Now imagine in the hospital, the doctor comes. Uh, I've had this reoccurring issue. It's been wonderfully blessed in the last uh, 18 months, thank God. And imagine the doctor comes in, right? And I say this, I say, uh, doctor, please amputate my legs. And he's like, but hold on, there's no issue there. What would you say that for? Now, what happens to us in our Christianity is that we may have a complication somewhere but you have to master quarantining and not allow what is an atmosphere here to affect your emotions everywhere else. That's a bad illustration, but I'll come up with a better one. Don't you worry. A poor boss, watch this, does not mean you have a bad marriage. We allow something that's happening over here to infiltrate all the emotions. And now my marriage is bad. Come on, you've got to quarantine that thing. You cannot allow your sore knee to tell you that nobody loves you at Horizon Church. Just because you were stuck in traffic this week because of that wonderful driver in front of you does not mean that God is against you. Don't let uncertainty in one arena tell you that all your relationships in life are poor. We've got to quarantine people of God. We've got to quarantine the atmosphere. We've got to speak to that atmosphere and say, you will not affect these arenas in my life. Just because there is an issue here does not mean that you have an issue there. Call it for what it is. Amen. We're going to set up a quarantine station. Because some of you are letting in your groups of 50, everyone's migrating. This one's walking into this atmosphere. This one's walking into this atmosphere. Then that's walking into this atmosphere. Call it for what it is. It's one group of 50 that's giving you trouble. Doesn't mean the rest are all bad. Speak to it. Take authority over it. Because those atmospheres are influencing miracles. You heard me say a couple of months ago, giving up on your dreams because of one setback is like slashing your other three tyres because of one flat. Who would do that? <laughs> Come on, you're stronger than that. You're anointed. You're a person of faith. You're an overcomer. You're born for such a time as this. The one group of 50 may be giving you trouble, but quarantine it in Jesus' Name. It does not need to affect your mental health. It does not need to affect your emotional health. It does not need to affect whether you take communion this week or not. You speak to it and you take authority because we are a people of faith. Church, we can't allow what's happening in recent weeks or weeks in other churches to migrate what we believe about the goodness of God Come on, I'm speaking to you this morning here at Horizon Church. Just because something's happened somewhere else this week does not mean that all the groups of 50 now 
I'll hang out with you. I'll hang out with this. I don't like this group. I want to bring emotion to this group. What may be happening in one church does not necessarily mean it's happening at Horizon Church. Stop letting your thoughts migrate because of one environment. You are in an environment of integrity. You are in an environment of honour. You are in an environment that honours the Lordship of Jesus Christ where there are proper structures to protect our church. Stop letting it migrate into your faith. Amen. Come on, amen. Should we keep going? Hallelujah. God is good. We think of Jairus. Jesus showed us how to quarantine. Man, I've got to hurry in my sermon here today. I'm enjoying myself a bit too much. Luke chapter 8, verse 49. Jairus is believing for a miracle. While he was still speaking, someone came to the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. He wants a miracle. The people come. They say, your daughter is dead. The the Greek is very interesting how it actually, um, or how it reads. It actually reads like this. It actually says, dead is your daughter. In other words, it's like, done. There's no question. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. Dead is your daughter. So Jesus, uh, he has to deal, he has to quarantine these atmospheres. Luke chapter 8, verse 53, he gets to the house. There's a crowd now. They're laughing at him. (laughs) I think about that. They're laughing at Jesus because they knew she had died. Jesus says in Luke chapter 8, verse 52, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. He quarantined it. He's quarantining something that others are trying to bring into this atmosphere. And he says, I won't allow that to happen in my home, in my spirit, in my heart, in my call, my anointing. She's not dead. She's just having a good sleep. And I'm gonna wake her up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus said of Lazarus, when, when Lazarus had died, and they're like, Jesus, where are we going? I said, oh, our friend, our friend Lazarus is having a sleep. Uh, John chapter 11, verse 11. But I'm gonna go there so I can wake him up. In fact, is Lazarus is dead. She's like, oh, he's just having a sleep. I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna wake him up. Lazarus, time to get up, son. <laughs> Wade says to me the other morning, you know, uh, I was waking him up. He has basketball training at, um, at 6 a.m. Uh, twice a week. And he goes, Dad, Dad, when, when I wake up, what's the first thing I do? And he goes to me, do I say, mm? I said, yeah, you do. And I, so when I wake him up, he's like, I said, wait, time to get up. Mm? <laughs> Church, quarantine. Keep the language of faith. Just because it's happening there does not mean it's happening here. Just because one arena of your life is under pressure, why are you letting it infiltrate every arena of your emotions, your thought? Quarantine it in Jesus' name. In Genesis chapter 49, uh, Craig, if you could come please, that'd be great. Jacob was an old man and it came time to give instructions to his 12 sons. So he's about to bestow a blessing. The eldest son 
of course, was, uh, was Reuben. And uh, Reuben being the firstborn, he's, you know, he's about to get double blessing. It's, it's all happening in the house of Jacob. But, but watch what Jacob says about his son Reuben. Come on, you've got to see this verse today. Genesis chapter 49, verse 1. Jacob called together all his sons and said, Gather around me, and I will tell you what is going to happen to you in the days to come. Come and listen, O sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, here Reuben's like, it's my time for the double blessing. You are my oldest son, the child of my vigorous youth, excuse me. You are, watch this, first on the list in rank and honour. Reuben's like, I am. Watch this, verse four. But unstable and boiling over like water, you will be first no longer. He had an inability to quarantine. It affected his destiny, it affected his calling, and it affected his future. In this atmosphere, Jesus said, this is how you quarantine. A little boy comes, five loaves, two fish. Matthew chapter 14, verse 19, He took the five loaves and the two fish. Uh, One of the Gospels actually says two small fish to emphasise these were like, you know, those little ones that you catch. (laughs) He blessed and broke. Firstly, I should say, He looked up to heaven. He blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitude. You see, when it comes to generosity, when it comes to our missions give, there's always something in the quarantine station that wants to walk into everything else. You can't give because you gotta remember that. Are you sure you can be generous? Because that, and it's speaking, it's speaking. Giving is an act of faith. The conditions will never always be 100% right. But today, some of you, all you've got is five loaves and two fish. Put it in the hands of Jesus. Some are in a better place where they can abundantly share the blessing of God. We're all at different seasons, but together as the family of God, we put something into the hands of Jesus and we don't allow what's been quarantined to determine our faith. The Bible says, watch this, it does not say body, soul and spirit. It says spirit, soul and body. That is my order of authority. Because the soul says, "Ah, happy. Ah." But the spirit says, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. He's Master. His Saviour, His ruler, soul and body come into line, proper order, amen. Jesus took ownership of five loaves and two fish. And today at Horizon Church, as we prepare to sow into our annual miracle, not a missions offering, it's a miracle missions offering. We recognise that not only is Jesus Lord of the harvest, He's also Lord of our seed. Amen. Come on church, amen. Jesus looks up to heaven when we put it into His hands. He blessed it. He took His eyes off the people, off the problem, 
he focused on the Father. And he began to bless and celebrate. That word bless that's used there in what we just read in Matthew chapter 14. The word bless is a Greek word that literally means to consecrate, to cause to prosper. Why? Because we've put it in His hands. But somewhere in the group of 50, they're like, His prayers are too long. I'm hungry. hurry up. Quarantine. Quarantine the emotion and be a person of faith. Take your gift. Put it into the hands of the Master and let the Master multiply in Jesus' Name. Watch what's happening. Oh, I can keep preaching for a little while, but we have to finish soon. Watch what's happening. Resource is changing hands. As the resource changed hands, watch this, it changed in significance. When resource comes into the hands of God, significance comes upon it. Significance is that which impacts and touches a generation. Who would have thought five loaves and two fish would have fed so many people? But when something that we give that's dear to us and dear to the heart of God, resource is moved from the natural into the supernatural. In the hands of the boy, it was limited. It was just his lunch. In the hands of Jesus, it was an act of worship (laughs) as He gave it to the Father. In the hands of the Father, it was energised and multiplied. The Father put it back into Jesus' hands and at the time it was released, the potential within it began to come out. Amen. The world is filled with all kinds of desert places. The missionaries that we're supporting, Sofeo, the Bible Society, Matt and Nat Thistlewaite, some of our local heroes, Jim Peters, Rob and Rhonda Pope, Birthday in a Box, our youth and our kids' ministry. They're entering into desert places. Today, God is looking for someone in the desert place to say, Lord, here's my loaves. Here's my fish. I place it into the hands of a master to impact a generation. Can you say Amen? Amen. In the arena of faith, something always wants your attention. Something is gonna cry to you. Something will demand of you. But my prayer today is that we would set up a quarantine station and we will say no more in Jesus' Name. My resource, who I am and what I do is in the hands of the Master. Can you say Amen? Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.